lived life in reverse, where would we change course? I think all the time about the many, many forks in the road and the role privilege and circumstance have played in my own life. Last fall, I experienced firsthand a program that is meeting people at that fork and giving them an opportunity to change course. Today on Find Your Cause, we're speaking with Sean Good about Choose 180. Okay, Sean. Hi. Hi. Hello. Can you introduce yourself for us? Certainly. My name is Sean Good, and I steward an organization called Choose 180 as their executive director. Uh, so, Sean, I had the really cool experience just minutes ago mm-hmm. of being part of the Choose 180 workshop mm-hmm. for young adults. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm still really processing everything that happened in that room and that's still happening in this building where we are today. Um, for those who weren't in the room like I was, how do you describe what Choose 180 is doing? Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of like picturing rainbows and unicorns and all of like the fairy dust that makes magical things magic. And you take it and you put it in the criminal justice system and you transform it with a wand. Probably not a good explanation, but like it's one of it's probably my favorite way to talk about it. No, you know, we live in a world that um, enjoys categorically assigning people based upon our perception of them, and so often young people and young adults are stigmatized for the poor choices they make. But everything science tells us is that making poor choices is about like that's what growing up is all about, and when you make poor choices in community. You're supported by that community to redirect that behavior and make better choices. But when you make poor choices and you don't have community, often the criminal justice system gets involved and builds an intentional community of people who have also made poor choices around you and hope that you'll somehow develop as a human being and begin to make better choices as you get older. It's sort of likened to take somebody who's suffering from a disease, put them in a room with other people who are suffering from similar or other diseases, And let's suggest that they'll get healthy over time just by being proximate to one another. Um, our organization views ourselves as um, an agent of change within a system of injustice that's actively working to transform the way prosecutors prosecute, the way school districts remedy discipline, while working with the young people that are often impacted by those systems of injustice. And we do it through some very intentional ways. What you experienced today was our workshop mm-hmm. where young people come and get a chance to listen to folks with shared experiential diversity. And as they share those testimonies, we align those testimonies with different color necklaces. Um, so somebody will talk about their experience with violence and then invite people down and get a red bead if they or a red necklace if, um, if they've ever had experience with violence. And so the young people, their connected adults, the visitors in the space, all get a bunch of different color necklaces. And before they know it, the young people are looking around at a room with people who don't necessarily look like them but have had experiences very similar to them. So no one in the room is able to judge them as a problem, but everyone in the room is there to believe that they're a possibility. And that is the heart of our work. Young people are not problems that need to be solved. They're possibilities that need to be developed and be developed in intentional communities that will believe in them for who they are and not critique them, criticize, demean them, or limit them to what it is that they've done. And at the end of today's workshop, there is a really tangible outcome for the young people who participate. Can you talk about that? Yeah, certainly. Because of our partnership with prosecuting attorneys and superintendents, young people who participate in our programming forego the traditional discipline. So in this case, 
um, young people won't get charged for a crime. So in lieu of a criminal charge, they get community. Um, and in lieu of prosecution to the problem, they get developed as a possibility. Um, so the tangible takeaway is that not only will you leave this workshop today knowing that you won't be charged for the very thing that you were sent here for, you also now have a community of people who are supporting you to become who it is that you've committed to be. Talk to me a little bit about the um, impact you're having. We were just um, talking about this, the numbers as it are, as they are, or um, any of that data that supports your work. Yeah, yeah. So we began serving 18 to 24 year olds in the fall of 2017, and between the fall of 2017 and current day, 95% of the young adults we served have not returned to the criminal justice system. And as it speaks to the 12 to 17 year olds we serve, in similar ways, 80% of them don't return within 12 months. And if you compare that to the likelihood of a young person re-engaging with the justice system after they touch court, it's dramatically different. You could almost flip those numbers on their side and it would mirror the percentage of young people who actually return to these systems of injustice. So it's there. Yeah. You said before, you said, who needs proof when you have energy around something? Yeah. Um, you obviously have a ton of energy around this, but now you also have, have the proof. Uh, for you, Sean, what was that moment where you were like, this is my cause. I, I want to help steward this, yeah. this mission. Well, you know, I, I grew up in a household with two parents that suffered from mental health issues. My father's schizophrenic. My mother suffered from dissociative identity disorder. I had a brother who served a juvenile life sentence for, um, for, for something he did as a 13-year-old, meaning he was incarcerated between the ages of 13 and 21. I had a sister who ran away as a teenager, another sister who battled addiction her, the entirety of her life, and I lived in 12 different places in 12 years of school. So when you look at all of those things and you roll them up and statistically consider where I should be, I should not be sitting across from you having this conversation. I should be sitting behind plexiglass someplace in one of the many private or publicly funded prisons across our country. But I'm here, and I'm here in large part because when my brother got released after serving his sentence, he became what we are for so many young people, a credible messenger who was able to speak into my life, support me in committing to a new direction, and then rally around other community to help me honor that commitment. So when you ask, how did I know this was my cause? I knew it was my cause because it was what it was that I needed. And we create the same space that was created for me for over, this year it'll be almost 600 youth and young adults. So it, it, it was less, less of, this is my cause, and more of, this is my life, this is my story. And the people who are connected to this cause recognize that this is not just my story, this is our story. Every visitor that's come wears a bead because this is our story. They put on a necklace because they realize that I may not reflect the population you're serving today, but I definitely reflect those decisions that they made. And because of the color of my skin or the privilege that I lived into, I may not have been criminalized for that behavior, but it doesn't change the fact that I too had similar behavior. So here we are in it, all together. Not a matter of cause, but a shared story. A story of injustice and the disproportionality of some of us who are impacted and those of us that aren't. And the question of how can we co-labor with one another to create an alternative method to deliver true justice for those that are impacted and those that are accused. That's the journey that we're on, to decriminalize youthful behavior and create the space for every young person to be seen as a young person and live into their fullest potential.
And you get to be a part of that journey now because you were a part of our workshop and now a part of our community of support. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for having me and, and having that open door policy. Uh, one of the things we've talked about is if someone is not system impacted, there tends to be this idea that everything's fine, right? Yeah. So how do we engage a broader group of people to understand really what is what is going on in our criminal justice system? Yeah, yeah that the notion of, I, I think the, the word experiential diversity is so important because we may not reflect each other socioeconomically, we not, may not reflect each other ethnically, but our experiences, there are certainly parallels in many of our experiences. I was talking to an older white man yesterday who heard me share and came up afterward and was reflecting on the family he grew up in where alcoholism was rampant and how he watched his father abuse his mother as I watched my father abuse my mother. Now, we watched through two different sets of eyes that experienced something eerily similar in a very unfortunate way. We have common commonality. We have a common bond that we wouldn't have had if we didn't express our shared trauma. And that's what this space creates, an opportunity for our stories to intersect with one another and realize that as humanity, we are all sewn together in the same fabric. Many strings, same fabric, that intersected moments that we may never anticipate or expect. There has been such traction with the program. It's really moving to be in the room. And one of my questions is, how do we expand this? How do we broaden its reach? That's part A of my question. Part B is, is there a world we get to where this program doesn't need to exist this way? Yeah, I, I believe. So part B first sure. is necessary. Flip the order on me, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part B is necessary. Um, if, if we don't believe in a world where our work no longer exists, then we celebrate serving young people and only existing as long as they're hurt and harmed. Um, and that is a really sadistic way to do altruistic efforts. Um, so certainly, that's one of the reasons why we began working in schools, is to help curtail the school-to-prison pipeline and engage earlier on to make our work with prosecutors less relevant because the young people that would otherwise be referred by them are now being served at a school level. That's part of what we're envisioning. And, and when we think about expansion, that's one of the core things we're actively looking to expand. How do we engage more schools to be an alternative to suspension and expulsion and, and, and engage young people at those pivotal moments so that way the, their behavior there doesn't get criminalized, which makes it much easier for it to get criminalized later on. Furthermore, we have a ton of jurisdictions throughout our nation that are progressively looking for alternative ways to serve young people in a more healthy and holistic fashion. And we're in conversations with some of those jurisdictions, um, clearly not all of them, but we're actively working on creating a, a licensing model where it would be easier for us to be present in places and give people the skill sets, the resources, the structure that they need to develop programming where they are and be there as a supportive arm for them. So that way Choose 180 can exist in Boston. Choose 180 can exist in LA County. Choose 180 can exist in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, because young people everywhere need the opportunity to commit to a new direction and receive the support necessary to honor that commitment. And I believe our method, beyond the way it feels, um, the way the numbers bear out, proves it can be applied in many of situations and be an agent of change. Uh, the program here in Seattle has the, the support of our prosecutor here in King County. Um, 
and in some ways, I think that's a unique, probably, relationship. Can you talk about potential challenges for Choose 180 in some of those other cities where perhaps the prosecutor isn't as open to something like this? Yeah, I, it, it truly is, which is what makes the school district approach really appealing mm -hmm. because school districts are more apt to consider alternatives to suspensions and expulsions. Um, that being said, we, uh, it, one, of the, one of the things that we really hang our hat on is we're an organization that believes grace and empathy belongs to all. So that grace and empathy that we extend towards the young people and families we serve, we have to extend it towards all of our partners too. Um, and that grace selectively applied is favoritism. So I believe that many people may not subscribe to our way of being around diversion practices and alternative methods to incarceration in theory. Um, if we have a conversation that's centered around criminality, we have lots of conversations about tough on crime and do the crime, do the time, and all of these antiquated but very truthful narratives that have been rooted in our psyche because of all of the media that speaks to what it means for somebody to be an uh, offender. In fact, Lego has a jail set that you can buy and build a Lego jail with Lego policemen and Lego inmates. So it's so embedded in our culture and our community that this is a way that we respond to crime. Um, but if we don't talk about criminality and we talk about behavior, then I think we can find common ground with prosecutors across the nation. If we talk about youthful behavior, the things that lead to youthful behavior, and the appropriate treatment to mediate and mitigate that youthful behavior, then it's a different orientation altogether. Was it, does that behavior criminal? In some instances, yes. In some instances, no, depending on the color of a young person's skin or the socioeconomic conditions that they're in. But it's just behavior. So our method treats the behavior instead of treating a crime. And in doing so, is much more effective than simply treating a crime. To expand and to, to create this vision, um, I assume you need support. Yeah. And uh, one of the main missions of the Find Your Cause podcast is to connect people in an actionable way. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you need and, and how can people help? Yeah. Um, this is my favorite question and one of the most difficult questions for me to answer because of the way that I think of help. Okay. Um, what, I, what I'd ask people to do first is become a part of our community. Um, people join our community in a variety of different ways, but it could be as simple as engaging us on social media and sharing the work that we're spreading, um, talking about the things that we're talking about, having conversations with your neighbor about restorative practice. It could be a lot of different ways. Joining the Choose 180 community means that you believe young people deserve the opportunity to commit to a new direction, and in doing so, receive the support they need to honor that commitment. And when you're part of any community, then you begin to consider, how else can I support this community in a way that's practical and makes sense to me and my family? For some people, that's resources, that's dollars. Some people say, I'd like to financially contribute. And that's lovely, it's important. Some people don't have the same capacity as others, so they're able to contribute in other ways. Some people say, I wanna volunteer. And we are regularly looking for volunteers who are specialists, um, volunteers who have a niche that they operate out of, that they love to contribute their practice to our cause. Folks that are brilliant at recording podcasts, right? Oh, I know some of those. <laughs> folks who are gifted bloggers, or video editors, folks who 
um, have a background in finance, folks who are really gifted writers, folks who do build curriculum, folks who know people in justice system practices throughout our country, folks who know people in business that want to introduce us to others that may be able to help support our work. You know, when you are a part of a community, you're actively looking for how can I contribute? And I think that's the most organic and honest way. Because if I say come volunteer with us, and you volunteer in some way and you feel affirmed by your volunteer time, sometimes that can be more transactional than transformational. Sometimes volunteering can be more like I punched that ticket, I did that good deed, now I'm on to the rest of my life. And we really want more than volunteers. We want people who are there to support us, to lift this work up so that we can continue to transform the lives of young people throughout this country and systems of injustice to best serve all of our young people. That is a great answer. No wonder it's your favorite question. Yeah, well, well, thank you. It's, it, I, I wish I could make it easier for folks. I know often people say, well, go to our website and volunteer or give. The, th the reality is, is it's the heart you do things with, not what it is you do. So if people give to our cause and they're giving it from a heart place because they feel the work that we're doing and they know that this is going to make an impact, that's the kind of gift that I really celebrate because I know that you're giving because you really believe this gift is gonna make a difference. And I believe the gift is gonna make a difference. So it's important to me that our hearts are in sync in that way. If people volunteer, I want them to make sure that this isn't a transactional experience of volunteering. That the time you spend with us needs to be meaningful and purposeful to the both of us. Because if it isn't, you may be at risk of checking a box. And I don't wanna create that for you. And, and I don't want our young people to experience that either. So it's so important that we're in community with one another. And I believe our community far extends King County and it's really a national community that we're creating of people who simply have the same conviction that young people are possibilities to be developed and not problems to be solved. If you share that conviction, then you too are part of our community. So let's get in together and, and change our world. One of the things we're working to do also is really presence the experiences of people who've been impacted by your work. Um, is there a moment or an individual or even a sentence someone has said to you since you've been involved with Choose 180 that really sticks out? Yeah, yeah well, I, first I'd say that the folks that are impacted by our work um, are uh, a diverse community. So it's the young people we serve, the staff we employ, many, everybody that we've employed is either formally justice involved or justice impacted. Um, one of our staff will tell you that we are the one organization where being black with a criminal record is an advantage uh, when in a world where that is a great disadvantage because we're insistent on employing people who have the lived experience that can connect with young people and earnestly support them in their commitment to change. Um, but the young people we serve as well, I think about a young man who we served recently who was referred to us because of property damage. Um, he's a graffiti artist and he chose the wrong template to paint upon. Um, and soon after discovering his gift, we actually contracted with him to do work in our office and he created an amazing graffiti wall. And because of that, he got to spend some time with us and share his heart and passions with us. And next Wednesday is actually his first day as a part-time employee with our organization and he'll be working inside the schools that we serve to help um, support young people that are at risk of suspension and expulsion. So these are the stories that inspire me, where young people can be criminalized for their behavior, have an opportunity to be seen as a possibility, and then find a community that's willing to lean in and to develop that possibility. And for this young man, we're gonna be that community. And there's so many others of young people that we serve, but that's one story because it's recent that really comes to mind. Yeah, and I hear it in the way you tell the story, right? So he chose the wrong template, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's nothing 
innately criminal sounding about that. Um, and that's the reframing that I saw done time and time again today at the workshop when it comes to behavior rather than criminality. Yeah, I mean, you know, should this person have painted on someone else's property? In principle, no. But man, they're a gifted artist. And one person's trash is another person's treasure. And if you could see what it is that he created in our office, you'd understand what a gift he truly is. And now we get to create the space for him to lean into that gift and share that gift with others. How exciting is that? And we have prison systems that are populated with gifts that have been mislabeled. How do we create an exodus for those with incredible talents to be able to serve community and use those gifts for the betterment of all of us? That's what we aspire to do, and that's the role that we feel like we play in community, transforming systems, communities, and lives. I could feel it. I could feel the transformation. This probably sounds really cheesy to someone listening, um, but they're welcome to come visit if they don't believe us. Yeah. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about today, Sean, that, that is important for someone to know about Choose 180? I think it's important that people understand we are one of many organizations that care deeply about the lives of young people. Our method is a little bit different, but we're one of many. Um, and that all of these organizations need support and need people who otherwise wouldn't know how to engage or where to engage to lean in and learn more and take the time to understand how their investment can truly make a difference. Um, so I'm honored by you. I'm honored by this podcast. I'm honored by your passion and the purpose that's created the space that we're sharing right now. And I'm grateful for the impact that this is going to have, not just on our organization, but all the other people that are going to benefit from this platform. Thank you for being such a gift. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing so much about the organization and sharing the time today. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm really hopeful that this conversation is one of many that um, overlap in a way that we're all reminded of all the good, yeah. all the good yeah. that's being done. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah.